Amen. Jesus is what it's all about, isn't it? Amen. Amen. Okay. How many are happy for the Word of God? Boy, I am. I am. Yes. Particularly, let me tell you why. I so much want to be a mean and grumpy man right now. I mean, this is four weeks in a row we've had bad weather on a Sunday. It's been a brutal winter, and I just want to be mad about something. But the Bible says rejoice in all things. This is the day the Lord has made. Give thanks in everything, for this is the will of God for you. If I didn't have the Bible, I'd be mean and grumpy right now. But, okay, I'm swimming upstream, and I'm trying to be happy, happy, happy. By the way, you all are a tremendously hearty bunch here. Look at this crowd. First service was down quite a bit, so I went in plan B. I'll explain that to you in just a moment. But this is a good crowd for the weather we have. My son lives in Virginia near Washington, D.C., Get a little snow like this, everything shuts down. Churches, government, everything. Canfield knows how to do it. So God bless. Let's have a good time this morning in the Lord. Well, I was to speak tonight at Vespers. And in the first service, it looked like we were way down, and we were projecting we'd probably be down in the second service, and I'm just glad to see so many of you here. But I went to plan B, and uh, last week I prepared what I would be preaching on tonight in Vespers, and I moved that up to this uh, hour right now. I was going to dust that off a little bit this afternoon, so I had to really move in a hurry this morning to get it right up in front in my focus. But uh, two weeks from now, we'll look at the eight relationships of, uh, that we have in our lives from Proverbs. So hold that sermon for two weeks from now. But I want to talk today about a little prayer with big results also known as the prayer of Jabez. And uh, Bruce Wilkinson wrote a book about 15 years ago called The Prayer of Jabez. And I'm not taking his material. This is my material. But Bruce is a good guy. He was uh, ahead of me a year in seminary. And I was able to see God's hand a blessing upon him as God used him in mighty, mighty ways. Now, I've always been amazed at where this prayer is located in the genealogies, tucked away in the Old Testament. And if you don't read through the chapters like this, you'll never really know that it's there unless a preacher like me or an author like Bruce comes to say, hey, there's a great prayer that's tucked away in that book. So here we are in this lengthy discussion of genealogies in 1 Chronicles talking about the families of Judah when we come across this man by the name of Jabez. And for some reason, the chronicler tells us more about him than most of the people in these genealogies. And we know nothing more about Jabez than we know here, but it's enough to give us a little insight as to who he is and why he is praying the prayer that he prays. So I would like you to stand with me and honor the reading of the Word of God as I read just two, two verses of Scripture, First uh, Chronicles chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. And I don't really have PowerPoint because this came up kind of in a hurry here, so listen carefully, and then on my main points, we'll have some PowerPoint to help you along. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers, and his mother named him Jabez, saying, Because I bore him with pain. Now Jabez called on the Lord God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed, and enlarge my border, that your hand might be with me, and that you would keep me from harm that it may not pain me. And God granted him what he requested. You may have a seat. So here's what we know about Jabez. He had some brothers. 
We don't even know their names, and we're told that Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. We're not told that they were evil men, just that Jabez was more highly regarded than his brothers, and we're not even told why. And then we're told that he had a mother. We all have a mother. We're not even given her name, but we know that when she delivered Jabez, she had a very painful experience. And you who are mothers, my heart goes out to you. If I were a a mother about to have a baby, I'd be the biggest sissy on the face of the earth, scared of the experience and the pain that was to come. For instance, I remember my dear wife and her birthing experience. We only had one child by, by nature, and the other came along by adoption. But she had an incredibly painful labor. Lasted many, many hours, and it got so bad, I remember her crying out, not, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? She cried out, somebody who cares, please help me. Somebody who cares, please help me. And she kept crying out. There wasn't a thing I could do. My heart went out to her. And so we know that in the case of Jabez, his mother had a particularly painful experience in childbirth. And so it showed up in Scripture, the pain that she had. Now, it was common in those days to name your children after something about their birth or something that you expected them to be in life. And so we follow the pattern here, even with Jabez. This pain came to be his name. And so what happened at childbirth followed him the rest of his life. I mean, suppose that you were, let's take it to modern uh, society. Suppose that you were a premature baby and your mother named you Preemie. And everybody's talking, hey, Preemie, come here. Or suppose you were born with jaundice and your mother named you Yellow. And so they called you Yellow the rest of your life. Or suppose you were born and you were really ugly and she named you homely and you were homely the rest of your life. Or suppose you weren't planned and she said, you know what, your name's going to be Mistake. And so you were called Mistake the rest of your life. That's what's going on here. She had pain and she called him Jabez. Pain the rest of his life. Something you wouldn't like to have. Probably his playmates on the um, uh, playground called him Ouch. And maybe his father said, hey, Payne, come over here. Or when uh, he got married, his wife might have said, hey, Payne, what do you think you're doing? You know, it just isn't a great name to have. Now, we don't know what kind of relationship that he had with his mother after that. All we know is probably she had pain and that in some way it was a foreshadowing of the pain that he would have as he lived his life. And so I have this sense That here we have Jabez, not only delivered in pain, but living a life of pain to some extent. And I think he came to the conclusion that he doesn't have to live with pain his whole life. That if he would cry out to God somehow, that God would do something about his pain. And so, sure enough, he comes before the Lord and he asks the Lord to do something about his pain. And to give him more than what he'd been experiencing up to this point. Now, his prayer is short. And he asked God in this short prayer for four things. How many of you are glad you don't have to have these long, long, long involved prayers for God to hear you? This is a short verse with four requests. And that's all that God needs is your heart and a short request prayer from your heart. And God will hearken his ear to that. Well, we're going to look at these four things Jabez asks of God. And I want you to relate to what he's asking. 
Because these might be one or all of the very things that you need to ask God for. Maybe there's something else that you have a request for today. Maybe your heart is pained. Whatever, God wants to speak to you through the prayer of Jabez today. And so request number one is Jabez says to God, bless me. Bless me is the first request. Now, it doesn't tell us explicitly here, but I do have, as I said, a sense that Jabez's life was about pain. Not just about the delivery, but the pain that he was experiencing somehow in his life. And I look at his life, and it's very typical of the people that I meet in life all the time, whether it be the Canfield area or Erie or wherever it might be. Most people are living somewhere in pain. In fact, Rick Warren said, all of us are either going into pain, living in pain, or coming out of pain. And if you are coming out of pain, here's the good news, you're going back into it sometime. We're all in pain somewhere. We all have the name Jabez from time to time. I think his life resonated with pain. And he was living at that level. And so he was asking God to change the situation that he was in. Now, don't get me wrong. Sometimes God brings pain as a blessing to us. And it does things for us that nothing else would do. And God sovereignly superintends that. And so he works pain in our life to bring around a positive result. And we didn't even do anything wrong. It just happened because he knows he needs to refine us. But in the Old Testament, pain and cursing and blessing and well-being were tied to the covenant of Israel and God. And so... God would say, if you'll obey me and keep covenant, I will bless you. I will bring good things into your life. If you disobey me, then I will bring bad things into your life. I will bring cursing. I will bring pain into your life. And so the key to blessing in the Old Testament was to keep the covenant of God. And God said, I will bless you if you do. I will cause problems if you don't. Now, as I said, sometimes things just plain go bad in life even when we are obedient to God. And God has a higher plan there. And one of the things that we see about things going wrong in life for a higher cause is what we're going to be celebrating in just a little while, the Lord's table. The most painful thing anybody ever experienced was the cross. And that was a pain that you could probably call Christ that day Jabez. He was full of pain, and he went to the Father and said, Somehow, Lord, if you could get rid of this pain... I would like that. Let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And so Jabez is here. He's asking for blessing rather than pain in his life. He'd had enough pain, and if you are experiencing pain and it doesn't seem to go away, maybe, just maybe, God is prompting your heart to say, this is a prayer for you. This is something that you can pray in your pain. Lord, bless me. Take away the pain that's in my life and somehow bring some good things into my life upon my heart and my experience. Earnestly feel free to pray that prayer. But listen, do not presume upon God to pray a prayer of blessing when you know you are living in some kind of sin, when you're living in some kind of rebellion, when you're living in the ways of this culture and not the ways of God. It is not right. It is presumptuous to say, God bless me, when you know that you are not where you need to be. But in the main, if to the best of your ability you know that you are walking with the Lord and you love the Lord and you're experiencing pain in your life, this is a prayer that God might be prompting you to pray, Lord, 
bless me. And so it was in 1999, New Year's Eve, that I remember very clearly praying this prayer. I had five years of difficulty, five years of pain in many, many ways caused by tragedies in my life, my personal life, church troubles and wayward children. And it was the turn of the year from 1999 to a new millennium, 2000. And so that New Year's Eve, I began to pray, God bless me on this eve of a new year, on this eve of a new decade, on this eve of a new century, on this eve of a new millennium. Lord, you said you would bless me. I'm turning to you right now that you would bless me in the year 2000. Bless me, O Lord. Do you know what happened in the year 2000? It got worse. (laughs) It was a terrible year. 2000 was one of the worst years of my life. I remember praying this prayer on another New Year's Eve. It was 2013. And it was New Year's Eve, and I said, Lord, bless me for 2014. I've had enough of these kidney stones. It's just been tough, Lord. I don't want a 2014 like the pain I've had in 2013. And guess what? 2014 was a bad year. I got worse kidney stones. And then my family got into some difficulties and so forth. And it was hard. It was really hard. And yet I kept on praying this prayer. Now, how do you put this together? You pray for something, you're in pain. You have to understand God is not obligated. He's not obligated to do what we want to do. We have to let that decision with him. In fact, it kind of gets to where and how God operates with his mercy and his grace. Do you know what mercy is? Mercy is not getting what we deserve. What do we all deserve? Hell. We all deserve punishment. Mercy is that God withholds those things from us, and I'm so grateful for his mercy. And today when we come to the table, we will see an expression of his mercy that we didn't get what we deserve. The Lord took that from us. But his grace is something else. His grace is where the realm of blessing is. His grace is about getting what we don't deserve. And you know, everything good in our life is something that God gives us that we don't deserve. It's His grace. It's His goodness. It's His love. And how He showers us with so many good things. And when we pray that prayer, God bless me, we are praying for His grace. That somehow he would give us the good things we don't deserve and replace the pain that we might be feeling. Now notice that Jabez did not place an order before God. He didn't say, Lord, bless me and do this. He didn't say, Lord, okay, here's what I want. I want three tents, I want a beautiful wife, 20 camels, 100 sheep, and ask those kinds of things. He left it open-ended. God just blessed me. Whatever it is you want to do, just take away some of the pain and give me some blessing some better things than I've been experiencing before, but we let God choose what it is that he wants to do when he blesses. So I say to you, are you in pain? Are you in difficulty? Are you experiencing some of life's hard road? Then maybe you need to do what Jabez did. Turn to the Lord and say, Lord, in my pain, my name is Jabez. I asked for your blessing, some good things to replace my pain. That leads me now to request number two. Not only did he say, bless me, he said, enlarge my border, 
enlarge my border. Now Jabez undoubtedly then owned some land. Don't know how big it was, but he assessed his life and he said, you know, Lord, if you could enlarge my border, then I can do more for you. It wasn't at all about enlarge my border so I can have more good stuff for me. He said, enlarge my border that when you bless me, I can be a blessing to other people. And so there are times where you look at your life and you say, Lord, if you would grant me some more blessing, if you would enlarge my border, if you would expand my business, if you expand my influence or my talents or whatever it is. Now understand this cannot be a selfish prayer. Jabez wasn't asking more for himself and his own agenda so that he could, in the words of James, consume it on his own lusts. I think what he was saying here is, Lord, I would like you to give me expanding borders so that I can be more effective in serving you. Now it's amazing that we who live in America, God often does this and we don't even ask for it. As we grow older in life and as we mature, sometimes God gives us bigger houses and more cars and bigger paychecks and more toys as we get older. And the problem for us in America is not, not only do we not pray that and God gives it, but we're not satisfied. God continues to give us all this stuff. Lord, give us more. In fact, Rockefeller once asked, said, how much is enough? And he said, more. And it's really hard to be satisfied when God gives not to want more for ourselves. But that's not the heart of Jabez. The heart of Jabez was to expand my borders so that I will not indulge myself, so that I will not become more materialistic. My heart is that I will be able to serve you more effectively and to actually help others who are in need around me. For you see, the larger our territory, the more effective we can be for God. So enlarged borders is not about me at all. It's about what God can do through me. Now think about it. If God loves us so much and wants us to be in his presence, and if heaven is a greater border than what we have here on earth, then why would God ever leave us on earth? Why wouldn't he take us right now and say, Lord, Lord, you're coming home right now. Why would he leave us here on earth? As far as I know, there's only one answer to that. And that is that God wants to enlarge our borders because there's more work for us to do for him while we're here. And so we pray this prayer, Lord, while I'm on earth, would you expand my borders? Would you enlarge my territory so that I can have a greater impact on your kingdom? And so we learn it's not just pastors who have an impact. It's everybody who calls the name of Jesus to have a larger border so that they can have a larger impact. And so if you have money, God is asking you to use that for his service. If you have talents, God is asking you to use that for his service. If you have influence, right down the line, God is asking you to touch more lives when you pray the prayer, enlarge my borders. Now the prayer for expanded borders then is about a greater desire to serve the Lord and make an impact for him. And I trust that you will have this desire to say, while I have my being, while I have my breath, God, would you take my life and expand it so that I can touch more people for you? But that leads to request number three. Not only, Lord, bless me. Not only, Lord, expand my borders. But thirdly, he prayed, 
let your hand be with me. Let your hand be with me. Now we all know that Jesus said that he would never leave or forsake us. But we're talking a little bit differently here now when we're talking about his hand with us. What we're talking about here is that when we say his hand is with us, we are allowing him to, to empower us rather than we to live in our own strength. And one of the things that happens so often as we as a Christian is that we're out there every day living by our own strength. And we have to understand that when we're living by our own strength, then the Lord is not really with us in the way that he wants to be. Because when the Lord is with us, we realize that we're totally dependent on him and not on ourselves. And so in the Bible, when it says the hand of the Lord is with us, he is with us in five ways. His presence, his power, his protection, his guidance, and his blessing. And so when we say that the hand of the Lord is with us, it says that he is going before us in all of these areas. But when we are doing that for ourselves, he takes his hand back. His hand isn't on us that way as he wants it to be. And so we have to come to the place in our Christian life where we realize that we are no longer dependent on ourselves. That we must, even in our affluence and our own strength, be totally dependent upon him. And as Jesus said, Apart from me, you can do nothing. And unless God's hand is really on us, we are helpless. But you see, in America, we live under this false impression that we have power, that we are in control, that we can guide our own lives. And so what we have, in essence, is this temporary manifestation of our own feeble strength, but it's a house of cards. There's no real anointing of the Spirit. There's no power beyond us. There's no lasting value. And we need to reverse that and live with a sense of need and dependency upon God. And when we do that, we can honestly say that God's hand is with us. So ask yourself, what evidences are there in your life that God is doing what only He can do? Or what evidence is there in life that you're running your whole show? Because if you are in control of your life, there is no compelling need for God's hand to be with you. And that's a very difficult and dangerous place to be. But that's where many people live. And so, don't assume the hand of God is with you just because you got the title Christian. God's hand is with you when you realize, say, Lord, I need to decrease and you need to increase and whatever my life is about I want to step back and let you control because when your hand is with me I am following you and I am surrendering surrendering to you and that is a prayer of surrender that God I need you to be with me because life is too hard and the challenges are too big I cannot do this by myself and so that's prayer number three that his hand would be with me that he would be guiding me and leading me and empowering me, and I give up those rights. But now he comes to request number four, and that is to keep me from harm and evil. Now the word harm here and evil basically is a word that also means mental, emotional, and physical in injury. That God is able to keep us not just from physical injury and temptation, but even emotional and mental injury. And so it's almost like the Lord's Prayer where he said, Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, need I 
remind you that there is evil all around us. When I watch the TV, which I rarely do, and I get my little remote and I click through the channels, I see such unbelievable stuff out there today that is evil. And one of the things I was thinking about just recently is back in the Old Testament, the prophets would, de prophets would decry the evil of the world. Back in the New Testament, the apostles would decry the evil of the world. But today, God's people aren't saying anything about the evil. And it's in front of us all the time. And he is crying out, Lord, keep us from harm and evil. It's all around us. And so we've got to watch out and be on our guard. And I cannot tell you how often I pray throughout the day, Lord, keep me from harm and evil. For instance, a couple of years ago, I was on an airplane. I was sitting there, and I looked to my right, and there was this guy with a very bad, he had a porn magazine. And so I went to the prayer of Jabez, and I said, Lord, keep me from harm and evil. May the scenery on my left hand be better than the scenery on my right. And so I prayed this prayer that I would not look in that direction. I needed God's help. We cannot go through a day without an all-attack of evil, an all-attack, all-out attack of evil on us. The devil is there. When we're alone, it happens. When we're with our friends, it happens. And we have got to be on our guard because if you are not sensing the raging battle of evil and Satan's attack, you're already in decline spiritually. But if we understand that evil is encroaching on us day by day, and we cry out to God to keep us from temptation and to keep the devil at bay, then God begins to do things in our life that will protect us in no other way and keep us from the evil that Satan would want to attach to us. I mean, this is the reason that I don't have premium channels in my home. It's because I realize the temptation is there. And far be it from me to say, Lord, keep me from evil and harm when I put it in front of me and potentially bring my own destruction about. You can't have it both ways. God, I pray to you, but also I must do things to eliminate that threat. And so we must do all we can to step back from the evil of our society while we cry out to God, spare us from that and keep us from harm and evil. And so we pray, I hope, day by day, a prayer like this. Lord, keep my body from disaster and disease and accidents, that kind of evil. But also, keep my mind from bitterness and worry and fear because of the actions of others or unexpected reversals. Don't allow me to harbor anger. Lord, don't allow depression to cripple me. These are all good prayers in the spirit of Jabez that somehow God in his mighty hand would keep us from disaster. But there's something we need to understand. A prayer like this is no guarantee that we won't be harmed. We live in a world that has bad things happen to good people. And so only God knows why it seems that sometimes you cry out to him and he doesn't answer the prayer. You just have to understand that there's something more in God's mind and heart that he's up to than we can understand. So don't blame yourself and say, I prayed and God didn't answer. There must be something wrong with me. That's not the case at all. God is sovereign, as Chris prayed a while ago, and he makes decisions that sometimes may not make sense to us. And so we have to understand that a prayer like this is not a magic formula. It's the recognition that when we surrender to God, he'll take care of us better than we can take care of by ourselves when we face all these obstacles and dangers in our lives that are too great for us. 
Now it's interesting in verse 10. There's a play on words. There's a play on words where he's asking that he would take away the pain, that he would take away his name, Jabez. And somehow, Lord, if you could take away my Jabez, give me another name, blessing. And so there he is crying out to the Lord that please take away the problem of my name, which is pain in my life, and Lord, keep that far from me. I pray that often because, you know, I don't know if you've ever had any tragedy in your life, but it kind of changes how you react. I mean, we've had some very bad things happen in our life that now when the phone rings in the middle of the night, I get scared because I don't know what's going to happen. I just have this thing. So I often pray, Lord, keep me from pain and evil because almost 20 years ago, our oldest son was in a very, very difficult car crash, a truck accident. He almost died there. And it was very, very difficult time. And we would pray then after that, Lord, just spare us from that ever to happen again. So what happens a number of years ago? My second son is on his way back to Malone College. It's on a snowy day, and a day where the snow has had a chance to ice over the vehicles and so forth. And so on I-90, he's coming down to Malone, and a great big sheet of ice off of a semi lets go and flies, and where's it go? Right through his windshield. 70 miles an hour, he calls home. God spared him. And when Marie picked up the phone, she knew immediately something was wrong, and she began to tremble. And my son, Jason, who had been, by, been through that accident, was home at the time. And Marie heard the news and found that he was okay, even in that accident. When Jason said to him in his own beautiful way, Mom, God wouldn't let that kind of harm come to us again. Maybe yes, maybe no. God is in control. All I know is that there are things that happen to us in life that make us more sensitive to the prayer that we pray, God, keep us from pain and evil. And I know how often I pray that in my own life. Now listen, when you pray that prayer, what are you doing? You're engaging in spiritual warfare because Satan wants to come across you and against you and bring everything bad into your life that he possibly can. And you're praying for the same op, and you're praying for the opposite. You're going to find out that you enter into spiritual warfare every time you ask God to keep you in safekeeping. Well, I want to encourage you as I close today. We talked about the four requests. That as God lays it in your heart to pray the prayer of Jabez in one or all of its aspects. And realize this is not a guarantee. Realize it's not a magic wand Just realize that it is a request to God that in His will, He might be willing to grant that to you and let the results be up to God. And so when we pray a prayer like this, what we're really saying is, God, I want your will. Here's what my heart is, and if you're willing to give this to me, I'm so grateful. But whatever your will is, that's what I want more than anything. As you step off the throne of your life and give complete control to God. And so... The end of verse 10 says, and the Lord granted him what he requested. Do you know what that's saying? His life became a contradiction to his name, that God took away his pain and gave him something to set him free from all those difficulties. But just remember, Jabez had to ask. It wasn't automatic, and then God responded. Now, you might be thinking, well, that was for Jabez. It isn't for me. 
My sense is that this is a biblical prayer and in the will of God, and I believe that prayer is good for us as well. It's the type of prayer that God wants us to grapple with and when His Spirit leads us to pray that prayer from our own heart, and God will do something in your life. The odds are high that God will bless you when you pray. And so I leave you today, and I ask you, mark in your Bible, 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verses 9 and 10, as God leads you sincerely and humble, humbly pray before the Lord this prayer, and that's what I'm going to do as I close even now. I'm going to ask you to bow with me, and I'm going to pray this prayer that if this is your heart and your need today, that you will join me in the spirit of it all. Dear Father, oh, that you would bless us and enlarge our border and that your hand might be with us and that you would keep us from harm so that it might not bring us pain. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. We come to the table now, a great time before the Lord. And I had to ask myself as I was preparing for the table today to lead you. What got us in this mess in the first place? How come all the wheels came off? How come there's sin? How come there's destruction and all the difficulties of life that there is? It's because we had a father by the name of Adam. And when he fell, he plunged the world into despair and sin. And apart from a second Adam, we'd all be lost. And we wouldn't have any remedy whatsoever. But Jesus Christ became the second Adam to rectify all the messing up that the first Adam did. And so there's this group called 11th Hour. And this has been ministering to my heart lately to explain a little bit about the background of why this table is so important. Adam fell. We needed a Savior. Would you look at the video of Adam's fall as we prepare ourselves to partake?
many of you are glad he rescued us there'd be no recourse if he hadn't done that and so we come to the table of the Lord this is not old Norse table this is the table of the Lord if you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior then you need to come and partake of the of the Lord's table now there's one provision that if you know that you're not walking with him and it's a willful thing I mean all of us mess up every day but it's that willful sin that keeps us from the table and keeps us from fellowship that if you've got a problem there it'd be best to clear that up before you partake of the table and so as the elements are passed I'm going to ask that we all hold them until we partake together I'm going to ask one of our elders Tom Gacy to come and to thank the Lord for rescuing us from Adam's fall and for the uh, the body and the blood of our precious Lord and Savior. 